Soon as I step on the scene, I'm hearing hoochie screaming, fainting for money and alcohol. The life of a Westside player with cows out in a strong Welcome, kids. Strap in. It's episode 408 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that flies below the hard deck and gets you the pinball news right away. Well, let's start with American Pinball. So I'm hearing that Joe Balser is out at American Pinball. That's right. You heard it here first. He is no longer. Actually, we have to do a little bit of a news break to this podcast that went up this morning. I just heard that Joe Balser was at American Pinball today and is still there. So when you run the rumor mill, you're going to get people who tell you stuff that is not accurate. So let's just do a little editing of the show here and confirm for the listener that Joe Balser is still at American Pinball. Now, that being said, um, he is making game number three as we speak. And let me air the rest of what I said about American Pinball because I think it's still relevant even if Joe Balser is in the design seat of that game. So let's go right back to what we said on this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Like this company now has had two chances at bat. And both times, I don't care what other people say in terms of the games are fun, both games have failed to be commercially successful. And Joe had two shots. You, you can't just blame American Pinball. I mean, Joe himself was the designer on the first two games with American Pinball, and both of them failed uh, to be commercial successes. And it's interesting when you think about this hobby because a lot of the games that we now celebrate, the Circus Voltaires, right? Uh, some of the, you know, all the John Papaduke titles from the 90s, a lot of the games from back in the day that we currently consider to be great games were commercial failures back then. And so it, it begs the question, are we seeing games that will not be appreciated today, but maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, when the pinball hobby uh, starts to like go back into the dark ages, are we going to look back at games like Dialed In and Houdini and Oktoberfest? And will those be the games that people say were the ones that were really the best? We just couldn't see it at the time because we were blinded by all these license-themed games. So here's the thing, here's the thing. I don't know what the future holds for American Pinball, but I do know this. If their third title is not a hit, I think this company is done. And I don't know if Robin Hood or Sherlock Holmes or any of those teased themes they were putting out there, I don't know if any of those are good enough to withstand the titles that are about to come out from other manufacturers. And I think American Pinball has just, they've failed to get the right kind of lift in this company and under this company. And they've failed to capture the imagination of the pinball buying public. And so they're at, they're, I think they're at a point now where it's like hit or dead, right? They need a hit or this company will be dead. Now, we all know that if they are personally financed by someone else, then maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you know Davos, uh, you know, daddy and all the money they have surrounding that company can keep them going for for longer. But I just think at this point they can't have you know three strikes and you're out. I think is fair to say when it comes to American pinball. What I don't get is this. Here's the thing I never will understand about these companies that start with pretty decent investment capital. Why would you launch a pinball company with investment capital 
And why would you launch a company and not launch with a licensed IP game? Like why, why would you launch with Houdini? Why would you follow that up with Oktoberfest? Like either you have the money necessary to make a game people really want or you don't, but they have the money. That's what I don't get. The amount of money they must have lost in making games people didn't really want. They should have reevaluated their approach and they should have went and got a licensed theme game as game number one. You need to come out of the gates with a licensed theme game. It's just that simple. You are not going to be successful in the pinball world launching a title that doesn't have a theme that is appealing to people. And when I say this, I'm thinking about Deep Root. And if they think Raza is going to be the game that just lifts everyone up and, and becomes a smash hit, I'd be nervous if I were them. I would be nervous because, yeah, it might be amazing, but who who has more of a following, Raza or Batman or Star Wars or Ghostbusters, right? Or Willy Wonka or Guns N' Roses or Toy Story or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? So... I, I, look at Andrew Highway. Imagine if Andrew Highway launched his company with Alien Pinball instead of wasting all that money and resources and time making full throttle. Do you know Andrew Highway, when he would show people his plans, he thought he was going to sell three to 5,000 full throttles. Like, What is wrong with these people? The same thing with American Pinball. They would tell people they're going to sell a few thousand Oktoberfests. You like it's 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 mind-boggling to me. I don't understand it. Uh, so I would go get a licensed theme and give it one more swing. All right. So speaking of that, let's let's go to Spooky Pinball. So here's what I'm hearing. Spooky Pinball, we know, is about to wrap up Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle production. All right. It's been a very successful year for them. Here is what I'm hearing about Spooky Pinball's next game. It's Scott Denise's game. We all know that. It is a licensed game that is 80s retro. Right? You can stop right there. A licensed game that's 80s retro. Hallelujah. They've listened. They know the sweet spot in the pinball marketplace. The 80s nostalgia is the most amazing period to go back to for pinball. It is the period in which you will attract the most amount of people to your product. Way more than 60s stuff and 70s stuff. Like Munsters? Come on, guys. Let's be honest here. How many of you, before Stern announced the Munsters, how many of you willingly were waking up and watching the Munsters still on TV? You weren't. How many of you were watching Batman 66? Not really. Be honest. How many of you are watching Elvira B-Campy movies? The 80s are hotter than ever, and the 80s films are the most iconic movies ever. Now, I don't know if it's a movie or a TV show. It could be a variety of things. It could be some horror movie that none of us like from the 80s. I don't know, but I think this is the right direction to go in if I'm Spooky Pinball. I'm also hearing this about the title. They have full assets and custom voice work, and the art package is the best art package to be on a spooky game yet, which is saying a lot because we've seen incredible art packages on Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle. I, I would even say like the art was great on the cabinets, not on the playfield for Rob Zombie. Uh, so maybe this is why 
Maybe this is why Chuck has started the Fang Club because he knows he has a dynamite hit on his hands and he knows that way more people are going to come through the door to get his next title. And so he's implementing a way in which he can give access to this hit to his loyal customers first. And so now it's maybe starting to make sense why Chuck is doing this. Am I building hype for this game too early? I don't know. But when I hear stuff like this, it's Scott Denisi, throwback 80s, with full assets and custom callouts. All of a sudden, that's everything I know all of us want in pinball, plus some great artwork. So I look forward to seeing uh, what the Scott Denisi game is over at Spooky. So that's exciting. Now, speaking of, you know, great art packages, but not much else, Suncoast Pinball, uh, in total, they made... 25 games before Suncoast Pinball uh, declared bankruptcy and has stopped making pinball machines. Now look, here's the deal. How can you go through all the effort to make a pinball machine? How can you spend months, if not years? How can you set up a production facility? How can you hire employees? Why even bother making a pinball machine in 2018, 2019 in which you can only sell 25 units or make 25 units. Where did did this go wrong? And I'll say it, and I've said it before on this show. If you start a pinball company that fails this horribly to get off the ground, it's simply because you did one thing wrong. You, You did no market research to understand what the market wants. And I think they might have listened to like half of what I've said on this show. I used to say like, if you just make a game sexy, it'll sell. But you know what's happened in this hobby is almost every game looks really good now. You need more than just an art package on a game. You need a good game. And if we were to look at Cosmic Carnival, a lot of things going against it right off the bat. First of all, what the heck is a Cosmic Carnival? It's a theme that it's not just a theme that nobody wants. It's a theme that nobody can even understand right? A cosmic carnival. That is, that, that is the mashing together of two things that people can't comprehend. So right off the bat, you're confused about what the game is about. Okay, so you don't even know what the experience is. You don't even know if you want it, right? At least Oktoberfest was like, it's, it's something you know. At least Houdini is something you know. Um, and then you look at the game, and it's probably one of the most simple basic layouts ever. So it's not going to appeal to people who love unique layouts or want something new in pinball. It's, it's beyond basic. Like it's, it's taking five steps back from what you can get with a Stern Pro. So there's nothing in it that would appeal to like a pinball fanatic who loves to shoot. It's just an art package with some neat sculpts and a, and a, and a dirty Donnie sort of art, 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 art package and, and a weird name. So it failed. And so that is it. Right? Do you really think Suncoast Pinball is going to come back? And here's my point. And I know sometimes people are like, Canada, you need to be more supportive of all these pinball ventures and help them, like support them. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think that's my job. I think if you want to start a pinball company, you need to do the homework first. You need to do the research first on what will be successful. And I'm here to tell you, all of you listeners out there, designing a pinball game is not easy. It's not. It's clear that it takes a unique talent to make a pinball game that people will love. And it also takes a combination 
of different skill sets coming together in harmony to make a pinball machine that people will actually want to buy. And we've seen it before. If you get, imagine an orchestra in which there are five members or a band, five members. Let's take Guns N' Roses. Imagine if everybody on Guns N' Roses was hitting the right notes, but then Slash gets up there and just starts hitting all the wrong notes on an off-key guitar. It would ruin every song, even if he was still playing Sweet Child of Mine. If the guitar was out of tune, it would be unbearable. And to me, that's what happens when you look at a game like Oktoberfest, in which you've got all these amazing mechanisms. You've got all these fun shots. You've got all these toys and whatnot in the game. But then the art package makes, you know, looks like vomit on it. And you're like, what the hell? And then the LCD is, is not, you know, the animations are not up to par. You have to have every member of the pinball band playing the instrument properly now in 2019 uh, to make a game commercially successful, to make it awesome, to make it fun, to make people want it. And there, there's no other way around it. You either succeed in doing that or don't even bother. It's, it's the same thing in anything in life. And I think it, we're starting to understand that more now than ever, that you need a solid team to make great games. And look, if there's one company that has so many solid team members, we know it's Stern Pinball. We know Jersey Jack's got a lot of solid team members. I would like to see better artwork over at Jersey Jack. I think that's the their weakest element right now. We know there's a solid team over at Chicago Gaming Company. We know there's a solid team over at Spooky. And that's my point is if you're new to the game and your team is not solid, don't even bother making pinball because you're not going to be successful. All right, so Dutch pinball. My God, Dutch pinball. We can't stop talking about the fact that the, I'll just call it this. This is the, um, the blind optimism is back, and it's back in a big way. For some reason, once Barry talks or shares a few images and communicates with some of these like EAs, like Barry's got his little circle of EAs that that believe in him, that have believed in him all these years, and he is able to manipulate the optimism and the hope within the pinball community using this little inner circle of EAs. And I understand why. These guys are fanboys. They want their games. So right now, where is Dutch Pinball at? We know that two games have been made out of the parts that he got from ARA. We saw the photograph of them. Um, but does this mean that everything is going gonna, is gonna to be great now? Does it mean that they're going to be successful? I think we're back at another wait and see period. Now, wait and see has been the, the 90% of Dutch Pinball's history has been a wait and see period. Like, will they figure it out? Will they not? I don't know. I can't tell you from sitting in my one bedroom apartment in New York City, what Barry has set up over there. I can't tell you if he's going to make this work or not. Do I hope he makes it work? Of course I hope he does. I hope that every early achiever gets their machine. I'm not rooting against him. But I'm a realist. The guy has also proven to be nothing more than a manipulator at times and a liar at times. And so I saw that just the other day, in the midst of trying to get Big Lebowski's made again, in the midst of trying to get the early achievers what they paid for, Barry is also now telling people that he's starting to work on game number two and he wants to get game number two going in March of 2020. And when I hear stuff like that, I once again am reminded that we're not dealing with a good businessman. 
We're not dealing with a smart communicator. We are once again dealing with the delusional optimism of Barry. He Does he really think he can move on to game number two? I mean, he hasn't even satiated all the people that got burned on game number one. And the pathway to getting all of those big Lebowskis made is going to take a very long time. It will consume all of their all of their 2020. There's no game number two being worked on. How, he, 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 did he forget what he needs to do? He needs to make so much money, so much money off of selling 500 Big Lebowskis at $12,500 that he can then give the people who got burned a free one that they already paid for. It's not free. You know what I'm saying? He has to do all of that. And he hasn't even come close. He's made two extra games. Two out of the 500, he's got 498 to go, and he's talking about game number two. This reminds me so much of Andrew Highway. It reminds me so much of the delusional pinball people out there that before they even finish game one, they're talking about two, three, four, and five, and we know how this story ends. And what I think Barry needs to do is shut up about game two, Shut up about anything else. Don't even talk. Put games in boxes. Now, what do we think about the early achievers are talking in private, right? They're not, they're apparently these guys have information that if we all knew, we would be much more confident in Barry's efforts. Okay, I love it. I, I love the Stockholm syndrome that the people that he has kidnapped for all these years are his biggest supporters. Now, here's the problem if you keep this information secret, the only person you're helping out are the Lebowski flippers who are now getting like eighteen dollars to $20,000 because if information is valid and credible that things are actually progressing nicely, then the ability to flip these games will soften, if not dissipate completely. And why not release that information? Now, here's probably why they don't want that information out there. I'll tell you why. Because if you're an early achiever and you get to cut the line and buy one of these games, you're you're now in on a big Lebowski for $21,000. So it's kind of in your best interest to keep the secondhand value of these games pretty high because we all know there is a slim, slim to none chance that an early achiever who buys a new game at, at, at $12,500 who's 21 in on Lebowski, there's a slim to none chance of that person to ever going to see that second game. We know that. They know that. So maybe that's why they're doing it. But once again, Dutch Pinball is in a wait and see uh, uh, period. And you know what? I think, again, I do. I think in the next four months, no one's going to give a crap about Dutch Pinball and their game number two because people are going to see the exciting stuff they can have from Stern, Jersey Jack, Chicago Gaming, you know, Dutch, uh, maybe Deep Root, all, all the people who are really making real games, Spooky Pinball, all the real manufacturers that, that haven't like yanked you around and, and jerked your leg for all these years. That's where you should apply your money, people. All right, Stern Pinball. Uh, Elvira owners are opening up their Elviras and they're giving feedback on the game. Now, I am laughing in this thread. I'll tell you why. 450 of you committed to buying Elvira for either $10,000 or $15,000. And none of you, none of you, 100% of you never played the game. 
Okay, so think about that for a minute. Never played it, never flipped it, have no idea what you got. So now, early people who have the game, or LE owners, are starting to give their feedback. Now, here's the feedback I'm reading, that the game is kind of really easy. Some people are calling it boring. It is, it is super simple to shoot is what I'm hearing. Now, look, boring, fun, it's all subjective. The code is also very early on. So you just spent a ton of money on a game that's really easy to shoot, that might get boring, that has code that is very that needs to go a very long way before it's done. Okay, so it's pretty much another, you know, Lyman Sheets, Batman sort of experience. I, I would also argue that you could look at Batman and say it's pretty boring as well to shoot on day one without the code fully where it needs to be. I'm 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 no Batman apologist. I I the game has its shot issues for sure. Okay. So great. You know, look, you guys bought it. You guys are, you went all in on it. Uh, we'll see. I, you know, I, I, I still don't understand. I, I, unless it's like a theme you absolutely can't live without. I, I just don't understand running into this situation because here's what I think is going to happen right now. Uh, these LEs, I think people who went headfirst in on the LE are going, some of them are going to bail. Some of them are going to bail. Some of them are going to bail maybe with their distributor who will give them a refund. Some of them are going to bail where they're going to want to sell it on the secondhand market. I think you're going to see people uh, start to, uh, to to jump ship if the game doesn't shoot the way they want it to. Because who's going to want to wait two years for the game to to uh, you know to mature? Now, I think some people are tired of that. Now, some of you will just you know stay the long course because you know Lyman Sheets uh, will, will make something magical happen. So that's where we're at with Elvira. Now, I'm also hearing that the signature edition, the $15,000 edition of Elvira is, is going to come with a topper. People, this is amazing. Stern Pinball is going to give you a topper for buying a game that cost them $3,000 to make. They're going to give you a topper um, on a game that they sold you for $15,000. Hallelujah. It's like people forgot that when we bought Batman SLE and Batman LE, both of those games came with the topper standard. Now, the question is, what will the topper be like? Will it be as awesome as the Batman topper? And also, will they offer the topper to the LE people for sale? Here's what I think Stern's going to do. I think they're going to they're gonna make a topper for the signature people. I think they will offer that for sale exclusively to the LE people, but they're going to have to buy it separately. It's not going to come with the LE because we know it's not because they've already shipped LEs without it. But Stern's not stupid. They're not going to leave money on the table. And you premium guys, they're not going to allow you to buy it. There's no way. Because if you bought a signature for $15,000, there's no way you, 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 want that, you want that topper to be exclusively to your signature edition. And I know this sounds crazy, but every little thing that's different on a signature series Elvira is necessary to justify the value and makes the rarity even more valuable to those people. Because right now, signature buyers are grasping at straws trying to justify why they spent that much. I mean, maybe maybe they could say, oh, I have one of only 50 toppers. Okay, they, they would happily, happily take that differentiator because they don't have enough to justify that game and not look like a sucker for spending that much money on the signature edition of the game. All right. Let's see. I'm also hearing there is new Ghostbusters code, which is not a rumor. It's actually happened. I think it came out this week. So they're continuing to polish the, the Ghostbusters code. And the new code uh, works uh, implements the topper more on the game. 
Uh, and, you know, look, Dwight just put out a complete overhaul of this game. And so the community has done a great job in sort of identifying some of the bugs and needed fixes in that new code. And Dwight is working hard on implementing all of those into the game. Uh, I'm hearing that Munsters is going to receive a similar humongous code overhaul uh, sometime in the future. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but after Dwight is done with this, he's going to go overhaul the Munsters, which is great. It's a little bit of a, you know, a day late and a dollar short. Is it a dollar short and a day late? I don't know. What is it? Which one is it? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like the Munster ship has sailed. It, I almost feel like it doesn't matter anymore what they do. Because the problem now for Stern is if you do it this way, if you launch a game that isn't complete or isn't the best version of itself, it's so silly to go back years later and try to revisit it because you're, you're not going to sell new ones. You're, I know why you're doing it. You want to make the people who own it happy. But maybe you should have just made them happy from the beginning. Maybe you should have just made the game the way it should have been made from the beginning. And that I have a problem with that. I do. I have a problem with the way they rush these games out in ways that aren't fully thought through. They get all these people to buy before playing. And then people are sitting with, with a game that isn't the best example of what the game can be. And they have to wait and wait and wait while new games come out, while more exciting games come out. And then years later, maybe the game will be revisited and made better. Maybe it won't. And it just sucks that like you buy these expensive toys and, and you're just like you're just a guinea pig for the toy itself. And that these toys are, are, are being sold to us like in beta form that, that can just constantly be improved upon. But but there's no guarantee of that. There's absolutely no guarantee that these manufacturers will do this. But look, if Munsters has an overhaul. I think it's great. I don't think it's going to matter, though. I think people are going to have moved on. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Stern Rumors. All right. So here's what's funny to me. And, and I put up my little poll on whether or not I should reveal to you the next Stern title. And on my Facebook page, I think right now, I have like almost like 300 votes. Somewhere around the vicinity of like 85% like of people said I should reveal to you the next Stern title. So that's, that's, that's overwhelming support from you guys that I should leak to you what Stern's next title is. I'm still thinking about it. And here's my quagmire. Here's my quagmire. It's like, all right, Canada, a guy with like a $200 mic in New York City who hasn't lifted a finger to work on this game can actually spoil the release of a game that they've been working on hard over there. Now, that's that's like the... The, the, the morality side of the fence. The other side of the fence is this for me. Stern Pinball as a company has blacklisted me. They've given me nothing. They don't let anyone talk to me. They don't give me any information. They, they're not even, they don't even communicate with me. Uh, you know, George Gomez does like, oh, you know, but I initiated, I talked to him. I think George is a great guy. You know, I have nothing but respect for George Gomez. Uh, Zach Sharp gives me absolutely nothing. I, I understand why. I understand why. But, you know, I've extended the olive branch for over a year now to just try and get Stern to participate uh, or, or give me something on this show. And they won't. And they won't give me anything. They won't let anyone come on. They won't let anyone talk. And so why is it 
if I have a show that's about news and rumors and speculation, and if you think about the news that people want the most, right, this, the, the information that everyone is craving the most is what are the next titles. That is the, the gold. Those are the diamonds of information in this, in this industry. It's like if you're going to do a show like this, like that's what I look for. I, I, I live for those rumors and I love to speculate on what's next. And then if I get a rumor that sounds really solid about what Stern's next game is, why would I hold it back? Like, why, you know what I'm saying? Why, you listen to hear that news. So what I want you to do, because I, I, look, I know you vote it. You want it. Um, email me if you think I should do it. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm torn. So here's what I'm thinking of doing. On my way to Japan, right before Expo, I think I might just like let you know what I've heard the rumor is, right? I don't have 100% confirmation. I'm going to be honest. I don't have 100% confirmation. I haven't seen it, but maybe I'll just do what I always do. I'll just, here's the rumor of what I'm hearing Stern's next game is, okay? And here's why I should just do it, because the game after this game, which I think is like the worst kept secret in pinball, is, I'm hearing the rumor, is John Borg is making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Zombie Yeti as the artist and then I hear that it has I think it has like ramps under the play field makes kind of sense like a sewer system turtles I heard you're going to see stuff happening above and below the play field that's going to blow people away I also heard it's going to have internet connection in it so we'll we'll see if that's true now again these are rumors this is what I'm hearing I haven't seen it you know, unless you see something with your own eyes, it's not like when people are passing around the Ghostbusters translate and everyone knew it was a thing and people are passing around the Ghostbusters CAD drawings. No, I haven't seen anything. So you you do what you do. You take Canada's rumors with a grain of salt, but that we but see we know that's next. Like that's the first game or first cornerstone game in 2020 is going to be the Borg Ninja Turtles. Now, I think that the next game will be revealed before the year is up. I don't know if it's going to ship before the year is up. So I could see Stern doing it in sometime November, December, uh, and then shipping sometime in January. So look, I mean, maybe I know Stern listens to this show. So maybe like Zach has like a few days to reach out to me and say, hey, Chris, like it'd be kind of cool. Like if you didn't share it, let's work together. All right. Maybe I could do Stern's Insider Pinball Podcast that I bet nobody's listening to. Poor Nate, man. Went from like having the number one show to being behind a firewall and just like doing podcasts now that, uh, you know, who's finding that interesting where you're just like, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me because the world of podcasting, it's not even about like, you know, the guest or Nate or anything. It's just like the whole, the whole notion that you have a podcast that's behind a login firewall is so stupid. And, and, you know, the way the world works now is like you should be able to find your podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify to, ha to make people log in to listen to a podcast isn't how podcasting works. So for the biggest pinball company in the world to launch a podcast that is like hidden like that is 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 so ignorant to the way uh, in which people want to get their podcast. So, you know, that's another thing, too. It's like Stern is always trying to just do it their way. And I love that Canada's Pinball Podcast is outside of their way. Like, I can do it my way, and there's nothing they can do to stop me. I love it. I think you love it, too. All right. So what else is going on? The Star Wars art package. It's, it's cool. I'll say this. I'll say this. When I hear people say, this is how Star Wars art package always should have been, 
No, 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 no. People, I, and maybe even I said that, but the more I think about it is this. This isn't Star Wars. This isn't the Star Wars stylized art that we grew up with. Like, I don't it, it. Yes. Is this art package better than the Photoshop stuff we originally got? Absolutely. It's better. Absolutely. But this isn't like the kinds of Star Wars art that we crave. There, there is so much amazing Star Wars art. If you go on DeviantArt and, and, and just, just search for Star Wars, they could have done such a better job with the Star Wars art package. I know they were given stuff by Lucas, and this is like a Lucas cartoon artist. But when I think of Star Wars, I don't think of cartoon animated artwork. I don't. Do you? No. So, like, it is neat. But it's not, it's not what it always should have been. Uh, and even though it is neat, I don't think anything's going to help make this game become more desirable. It's just the game itself. It's, just, it's still, in my mind, Star Wars is the number one biggest mistake and biggest like flop in the history of Stern. And I'll tell you why. Because it's Star Wars. It's the most popular entertainment franchise of all time. And it's, it was just so poorly thought out on every level. From the design to the coding, I just think the game was a complete miss. And here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get. How, if you're Stern Pinball and you have the biggest property of all time, okay, how do you, like I, I, I get that Steve Ritchie probably had tenure there. So he, he probably had first dibs at it. All right. But then when you code the game, how do you give Star Wars, the biggest franchise in the history of franchises, how do you give that to Dwight and not to Lyman Sheets? Like, how do you not say, why isn't our greatest coder of all time coding the greatest theme of all time? Because if you think about Lyman, he, it's almost like regardless of layout, regardless of toys, he's going to make the game amazing. And Lyman knows how to work with clips. He knows how to take you through a journey. And, and, and they had, people forget this, they had Star Wars, all of the assets you needed. They had all the movie clips. They had synced up video with actors. They had call-outs. They had the theme song. Everything you could want from an asset standpoint on the screen, they had. And the way they coded it was a jumbled mess. It just was. Stacking scenes, like what's going on here? I want to be Luke Skywalker going through the three movies to defeat the Emperor. The game is like nothing about that. It's all about scoring. How do you take the greatest sci-fi journey and hero story of all time and make it a stupid game about pinball scoring? What the F, people? Lyman would have made it magical. Uh, but that's, you know, it's, it's crazy to me because like Lyman's not even doing Cornerstones. He's like doing Elvira, which is like, Probably, which will be a low volume game for Stern. When, when you hear what's next, and when you hear Ninja Turtles, like, why, wouldn't you rather have Lyman do Ninja Turtles or another like iconic theme that you've been waiting for? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get how they make these decisions over there. All right. Oh, Canada, thirty-five minutes. You know, let's go on to the next topic on Canada's Pinball Podcast. So the clear code issue is it gone? I just saw someone share photos of their Batman Catwoman edition, and it looks horrible. I mean, horrible. And so this is a topic that I, I kind of feel like, you know, obviously we, we carried the torch on the play field clear code issues. Uh, we were banging on the doors of manufacturers to get people an answer. We got Jersey Jack to respond. Stern never really fully responded. 
I think Stern's strategy is to be silent on this and to take care of customers as they have problems. I just saw that Stern is actually sending a Jurassic Park owner who had bad clear coat issues a fully populated play field that their distributor will be installing for them and doing the swap for the customer. So we know Stern is going to take care of people that have serious issues with this. My question is just this, like, is the problem solved? Like, it, will removing artwork from under the post solve this problem? When I see how sort of soft and easy that clear coat is pooling and chipping on that Catwoman, man, if something is wrong, something is wrong. And like, I hope it's just about removing art from the post, but I still think the proper testing has not been done. And I, I think if you just bought an Elvira, like I, I want to know from Elvira owners what the playfield clear code is like, because we almost have to wait and see with each new game uh, what what the fix has been and if the fix is working. All right. Okay. What else is going on in pinball? Um, Jersey Jack pinball. Let's talk a little bit about Jersey Jack pinball. So Jersey Jack has new Willy Wonka code. I think it's like 1.26 is out. Uh, so that is good. I'm hearing from people that there's a lot of new callouts. There's a lot of new clips from the movie. No, none of the clips with the callouts are synced up. We've let that. We're gonna let that go. I'm not gonna slam them for that. Uh, I think people are having a lot of fun with the game. Uh, I hear that from the owners. Okay, I want to spend more time on a, on a Willy Wonka. I, I've told you, I'm I'm gonna stop looking at it through the lens of like synced up video and music. It should be the musical that we all love. I, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. Here's a question I have though. And this is just this just popped into my head as I thought about what I've been reading in the Willy Wonka thread, and I think it's an interesting topic to discuss. So let me ask you a question. When you buy something, let's say you buy a car. You buy the first model year of a car. I'll give you an example. Uh, I bought um, a Honda Civic Type R. And you know one of the annoying things about the Honda Civic Type R first model year is that there's no knob for the stereo volume. You, there's no knob at all. Like the knobs are for the uh, climate control, and you have to like hit this screen to turn the volume up and down. So in model year two, they listened to all the feedback of people who bought the first model year, and they made changes and put a, a volume knob in the game. Now let me let me ask you a question about pinball. Why is it that a pinball machine that is made for multiple years, that uh, that you know after like being out in the marketplace consumers can give the manufacturers feedback on things that are working and things that are not working. What if some of that feedback is based on how the game is physically designed? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you an example with Willy Wonka. We are hearing from people that the way the ball exits the pop bumper area in Willy Wonka leads to the ball almost 100% of the time draining straight down the middle. So people are very frustrated. It's not fun. It seems like a cheap, poor design in the game. And so with all that feedback, if you're a company, why is it that when we have feedback, when something might be ill-designed, that there is never any attempt to make any changes to a, a design flaw in a game, that it just remains that way because that... I. I Okay, right. So just let's just stop there. We know this is an issue. So I get what people would say is, well, if you design change it 
moving forward, then what do you do for all the people who bought the first model year? And my so that's that's an interesting dilemma, right? Because it happens to people in so many other areas of life. Like when you buy a car and then they make the car a little bit better the next model year, like it's kind of like, well, that's that's just that's just how it is. But in pinball, if there's a design flaw or something that just sucks, it will never be revisited uh, because of fear that then you can't, you, you know, you screw over the early adopters. And I get it. Like, I get it. Like, they sell tens of thousands of cars, so it's different. Um, but this is just something I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what your thoughts are on this. Like, should Jersey Jack go back and try to find a way, right? And maybe they can. Look, maybe they can even, like, find a way to put a post somewhere or bend something somehow or do, design something that will fix that cheap drain in the game and and i've said it before i mean i've always felt that pinball is hard enough and when you design a pinball machine to drain cheaply just for operators to make more money i think that's really really bad design i, I think there's no place for that in pinball i think you should make a game harder by giving people the ability to remove posts like in the outlanes you can make games harder in in many different ways but to design it to be extremely cheap sucks. And I think everyone feels that way. Even though my boy Derek's like, oh no, me and the wife have fun. Just keep slapping the machine around. It's like, so Derek, what are you doing? Be like trying to watch a movie and your, your seat keeps moving. You have to keep fighting it to sit still. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's a bad design. Can we just call it what it is? All right. All right. I want to end this podcast um, talking about my friend's new show, Pinball Cribs, all right? Now, some of you out there might not realize this, but Zach Manny and I are friends, and we talk all the time, and we jab back and forth at each other. You might have heard my last uh, you know, podcast in which I fictionally interviewed Mr. Zach Manny. Look, he's invited to come on the show. He said he'd come on and debate me. He just won't. So we, 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 we do what we do to, to sort of make fun of each other. He does it passive aggressively. I just, I just do it directly. So all that, all that being said, on this Monday night's edition of the Flippin' Out stream, it was the world premiere of Pinball Cribs. And they built this thing up. I mean, there was like a, there was a movie marquee. They made the whole show about it. There was no streaming of another game. It was all about Pinball Cribs. And so there was like, I mean, it was hype. It was great. I mean, Zach is a hype man. I mean, they built everything up. They got everybody in. I mean, when I say everybody, it's like there's like 100 people watching live. It's not like, you know, thousands of people. Uh, and then they aired it. And I want to give my feedback on it because I said I would. I let you guys give your feedback on my Facebook page. But here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. So for 15 minutes, we get walked through. Uh, his name was Chris, I believe. We walked through his house. We're in his kitchen. We're seeing his Cheez-Its. We're seeing his booze. We're seeing his like wine rack holder. We're seeing his poker table. It, we're seeing what's in his refrigerator. It's this like slow motion sort of, uh, you know, walk through his home to get to the game room in the basement and all this stuff. All right. Here's my thing. Do I think Pinball Cribs is an interesting concept? Absolutely. I do. I think it's really cool to see people's game rooms. I, one of my favorite threads on Pinside is the game room thread. I, I think that's one of my favorite threads. I think it's one of the most exciting things to look at. I love seeing how people around America and around the world 
uh, design their homes to incorporate these games we love. I think it's awesome. Some people have million dollar budgets to do it. Some people just have like a, a hundred bucks. You know what I? That's why I love this hobby. It covers the spectrum. You don't. Not, you can be rich or poor. It doesn't matter. You can have a really fun thing in your house, and I love that. I mean, you know me. I mean, I, I turn my bedroom into an arcade. I love it when adult men still have items that make them feel young again. I, I, I praise that. And I also think it's so much fun when someone's house and home reflects that side of their personality, right? I, I've always found like boring homes boring. I, I, I love it when you walk into someone's house and you see a collection or some unique items. All right, so the concept is great. You know, Zach is like making a video version of that thread, which I'm like, this is an awesome concept. Okay, the execution of that concept I thought was a bit cringeworthy. And I told this to Zach. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like they're trying to do that like sarcastic, like MTV cribs, like he's kind of like trying to be boastful, but it just didn't work. And not only that, it's like I, I you know, that whole thing could have been like three to five minutes. Like, why did it have to be 14, 15 minutes long? Like it just it was just drawn out. And you're like kind of you're like you're like in this long prolonged sort of joke that's just not working and it never like starts to and like the only the only time I like felt like it started to work a little bit is when you actually show people the game room and and then here's the thing that happened you know the like the music was like so cringeworthy I'm like what is going on like what, uh, anyway and look it's the pilot episode I get it like this is this is his first attempt but here's here's the thing and then what happens on the flipping out stream is everyone comes on and says how amazing it is, how incredible it is, how this is going to expand the pinball market, how everyone should go on their social media channels right now and share, share, share it. Like, let's get it out there. We need to expand pinball. This is going to expand pinball. And, and, I, and I really just wanted to be like, what the, what the F are people like? Are you what's wrong with people? How is this going to expand pinball? You know, and, and and I'm not saying this to be like a jerk and I'm not saying this, but this is what I do for a living. I help brands expand their product into new new homes, into new customers, reach new targets. And how is this going to expand pinball? So if I were to sit in a room and say, well, who's our target for this video? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. What, what, what guys, what, what, like middle-aged white guys who have homes who don't know they can put a pinball machine in it are going to watch this video and be like, oh, I can have that too. Do those people really exist? Like people are not sure that they can actually put games in their homes. I, I don't know. And like, if the content's not good, like if it's just not good, how is that going to do anything for you? Right? How is that going to expand pinball? And, 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 and instead of giving like constructive feedback to Zach, everyone's just like blowing smoke up his ass initially. And I know like it's hard because Zach is on there watching it live with everybody and nobody wants to speak poorly in, in you know, to the creator, right? It's like, look, I get it. We, I create content. Zach creates content. All of us who make pinball content, once you make pinball content, you are open to criticism and critique, and it's out there. I mean, I'm confident in what I make. If people don't like it, cool. They don't have to listen. If people want to give me feedback, cool. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, and I told Zach, like, I'm going to give you feedback, bro. I'm going to give you feedback because uh, 
not only do I work with some really talented video producers all the time, I mean, I'm in an industry of content creation. So I, look, I said to him, here's the, here's the thing, man. You need to make this thing shorter. It, it doesn't need to be this long. You need to lose like the, like the, the, the attempt at sort of sarcasm or like trying to make the guy seem like he's like a, like a celebrity, like, like he's bragging about what he has. Like, I just didn't work. Like, it just felt like he was trying to, like, why not just be himself? Like, I, you don't need to pretend to be someone you're not. I also thought that, um, you know, the music, pff, gotta, you gotta find new music. I, I also felt that, like, no one, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, like, give people what they want. Like, no one gives a shh. I'm not gonna curse. No one cares about what's in a guy's refrigerator. Like, I get it. Like, in Cribs, they would do that. They would open up the refrigerator and show all the Cristal, and they would show the garage and the whips and the this it's you can't like are you trying to parody cribs and then shoehorn in pinball for 10 minutes it, it just felt like it was trying to do so much and if your target your if your target are people who love pinball they're going to be frustrated because it's like a slow motion like train wreck to get there and then and then even when you're there those people I, I don't know like just seeing the games in slow mo like what I, there's just so much better content out there that shows people pinball machines in homes, right? And so, I, I, I don't know. And I also said this to Zach. Like, the most important thing was this. If I, if I were to give him one piece of feedback on it, he needs to be on camera. Like, Zach's whole thing is he's the personality. Zach Many is the personality. Kaneda is the personality. Jack Danger is the personality, okay? You can't remove that from your content. If you do... It's not working. You're not a see. Zach is an. He's like an actor. He's the entertainer. I'm the entertainer. He's not the director. Right? He's trying to direct entertainment. It's not working. And and I told him that. And I I think he can make it work if he steps in front of the camera. If he if he loses the don't just lose the stick. Like when him and Greg talk on their show, they're funny enough. They don't need. They don't need clowns behind them dancing in the background. He is entertaining enough to interview people about their home arcades and their crib. He's entertaining enough to do it in an authentic way. The whole thing just felt like a cheap trick that wasn't working. And that, that's my feedback. And I hope he listens to it. And I, and, I, and I do. I look forward to seeing more episodes of it because I do. I think the concept is great. And I think people will watch it. And I think going into people's homes will work. And I also want you out there who just blows smoke up everybody's ass who makes any bit of pinball content, I want you guys to understand something. Expanding this hobby always seems to be the fallback people use whenever they do anything in pinball. Well, we're just expanding the hobby. Like, people need to be aware. I want everyone just to shut up with that phrase. Like, we need to expand pinball. Shut up. You know who's expanding pinball? Stern pinball by making like 10,000 plus games a year putting them out there. And you know how much they do in terms of content creation? Zero for the most part. The content they make is the goddamn machine. Okay? Pinside. Robin is expanding the hobby. Oh yeah, everyone likes to slam Pinside. Pinside sucks. If it weren't for Pinside, Pinball Fanatics would have nowhere to go. Nowhere to go to talk to people, to feel part of a community, to get tips on how to fix games, to get mods. Nowhere. If you want, look, I, I'm going to say this. Robin has done more to expand pinball and build a pinball community than almost all of us combined in the pinball media world. Without him, I wouldn't be here. Without that site, I wouldn't have found you guys, the listeners. So that expands pinball. 
companies making games expands pinball. Maybe some of these podcasts do. I do not think pinball podcasts really expand pinball. I think people who are not into it would get would, would find this cringeworthy, okay? But you know it also expands pinball? The Supreme Partnership expanded pinball's exposure more than anything. The Supreme, the American Girl pinball machine that I just saw, and Jeremy Starr, an influencer with millions of followers, has pinball in his own. Those three things will expand the exposure of pinball more than all of this sort of like pinball content that the pinball media is creating. But here's my last point on this topic, and then I'll let you go. Pinball is doing just fine. Pinball is is experiencing a golden age right now. It, it is expanding. There are more manufacturers now. There are more games. There's more people excited about this hobby. It's doing just fine, okay? I think what some people are trying to do is get people who don't give two craps about pinball to be into pinball. And I think there's also an ignorance. There's an ignorance that this will survive for decades. It's not. It's not. I, I get it. If you're a pinball distributor, and you want to keep pinball distri- you want to pinball distribute for the next 20 years i'm telling you you've got to come up with a plan b in life you might have another 5 to 10 years of it but there is no way there is no way this market is going to stay healthy and growing for for decades and decades to come you have to see the writing on the wall it doesn't matter how many at these price points at what kids care about at where culture is going there is no way this market will survive at this level for much longer. And you know it. And yet, bye, bye, bye. And the thing is this. The only way it can ever expand is you need to get the prices lower. There's no way it's going to keep expanding at these prices. But when you tell people, Zach, that like a $15,000 machine or a $10,000 machine is like is worth it, you're just going to keep, you know, you're going to keep pushing more and more people away from the hobby if we keep endorsing these games that don't have the value and are just unobtainable for, for 99% of the country. I mean, how many people except for the wealthy wake up and can just go drop 15 grand on a pinball machine? I get there are plenty that we know about, but wake up people. The majority of kids coming out of college are buried in debt. They're not, they're not, they're not, you tell them a pinball machine is $15,000 and they will start crying in front of you how how stupid that is. All right. All right, everyone. I want to just end by saying, you know, I'm sorry. We want to give our condolences to, to Steve at Pinball Refinery. I know he just lost a really good friend uh, and a father to cancer. Uh, we want Steve want to say our condolences. Uh, it sucks. Hate, hate, hate cancer. Have had um, lost too many people in my life to it as well. Uh, also want to say happy birthday to Neil Shelton. Uh, Neil over at Pink Quest, his birthday today. So, brother, happy birthday. Super exciting to see what you're doing over there. Uh, so, everybody, look. Look, just to close the show, lots of great stuff coming. I might reveal the Stern title before I go to Japan. I leave for Japan on Monday. On Monday. Okay, so it's either going to happen or not. Um, I got a very special guest coming on the show. I'm going to interview him tonight. And that is going to air very soon. I think it's going to be one of the best shows I ever do. Can't wait to air it for you guys. Got someone coming on. He's got a lot to say that's going to be interesting. Have a great day, everybody. I'm about to go to the gym. It's leg day. Yeah, I don't skip leg day. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your wives. Work out. Exercise more than you play pinball. 
eat healthy, and don't brag about having a poker table that lifts up with Cheez-Its inside. <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. It's Westside, so you know the road will bow down the no man. Say what you 